As I mentioned earlier, uh, we are beginning a series called Created to Create. Again, thank you to uh, Katie for sharing and being brave to share for the first time. Um, the idea behind this series is, is a very simple one, and it's going to go hand in hand with what Lars is talking about with the book TechWise Family. In fact, I'll be teaching a little bit from uh, that book, which is fantastic. And it's called TechWise Family, but I would just read it if you were just an individual in today's society. It, is not just about families. Uh, it is just helpful for you. If you are an individual, unmarried, single, whatever, technology is something that you are trying to figure out. We need to do a good job of figuring out how to have a good relationship with technology in our world. And I'm going to talk specifically about that a bit today, but even get more into it as this series goes on. But as I am doing this series over the next couple months, the, the one idea, the kind of the big idea that I want you to walk away with is this simple sentence, and hopefully we'll memorize it uh, by the end. We are created to create and not consume. And we're created to make creations in our world, to bless the world with the, the time that we have to bring about good things into the world and not to consume. And technology is a big part of that because it is an unbelievable blessing. And I know that it's something that is great in our lives. We get a chance to connect with people all over the world to experience some great things. And as a technology consumer, uh, someone who's not necessarily hip with everything, but I definitely use it. And I would say, I don't even know where I would begin without my phone or without email or being connected at the level that we are. But technology can be something that can lead us to a dangerous place. It can cause us to consume, consume, consume. There's an article that I read called The Rise of the Consumer Class, and it says this, by virtually any measure, household expenditures, number of consumers, extraction of raw materials, consumption of goods and services has risen steadily in industrial nations for decades, and it's growing rapidly in many developing countries. There's just more and more consumption. People are consuming at a rate, and I've heard stats that say that if um, worldwide people consumed as much as Americans do, we would need about seven Earths to be able to sustain uh, the amount that, that we consume. For example, like the meat that we eat, which needs a lot of grass and land uh, to be able to sustain the animals that are on that land. So we can just end up consuming, consuming, consuming. Think about how easy this is made. Here are just a few examples. You might have other websites that you go to, but here's just a few things that you might use. Amazon's buy it now with one click. I mean, how easy is it, right? You don't even need to go to the store. You can be wearing nothing, literally, and purchase something with one click, and it comes to your door. Or you can get your pizza order in where you only have to click it once because who wants to waste all the calories of making a few clicks or calling somebody on the phone? And you can order things from Ikea. You can order things, basically any store that's out there. You can order something from Starbucks without actually going in there to make the order. And the thing will just be sitting right there. You don't have to interact with a human being. Technology, again, it's a blessing and it's wonderful. But we can just spend our entire lives consuming. Amazon ships on average 608 million packages each year. That's an average of 1.6 million packages a day. And with things like buy it now with one click, that just keeps going up, up, up. You can spend your entire life in this system, and it's not just products. It's social media. You can consume someone else's life who's not even a celebrity just because you know them. You can spend your entire existence liking, clicking, scrolling, and buying. That's not how we're called to live. 
Scripture calls us to live much differently. In fact, from the very beginning, Genesis is going to say this this way. God created humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. What idea is communicated there? Created, right? This pretty much like jamming it down our throats. Like, all right, we get that. Created, created, created. And in a, a time and place where it, it was much different for us, you know, we just write on a piece of paper and throw it away, or we have things we can write on our phones. We don't really think about how important this is. When an idea is repeated, it means it's a way of emphatically saying, like, this is how this is. I mean, if you were writing an email today, you have lots of different ways. Here are a few different things you might do. You might go in all caps um, in an email to somebody, send me the money now or you might underline something or put it in italics. My favorite candy is gummy worms. The test results don't look good. And you could say these in all of these different kinds of ways, all caps or bold or italics to communicate, look at this. And you might regularly get an email from somebody who just, you know, puts at the meeting time so you don't forget, you know, the meeting is at 7 p.m. on Wednesday, you know, like, and they bold only that part to say, look right here. So there are all of these different ways that we can do this, but in a time when you can't do bold face or different fonts, Andy Crouch says this, in an age without bold face, capital letters, or even written words, how would you convey to readers that one section of your text, more than another, was of special importance? It's an, it's an, a, an age long before the invention of paper when papyrus and parchment were precious. Repetition was not something a writer engaged in lightly. So this concept that is revisited over and over again, created, 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 is something that is communicated deeply about our God. One thing that this is going to communicate to us is that we serve a creative God. And this stands in contrast with some of the creation stories that exist about this time because the Bible's story of creation wasn't the only story of creation that was going around during this time. And typically, the other creation stories that were around were about these big conflicts that happened between these other gods. This god got mad at this goddess and they had this conflict and this is what created the world. Or this goddess tricked this god and this is what happened and this is why the world is the way that it is. So there are these other creation stories that are going on that are like, this world was this happy accident because there was this big fight and this is the result of it. Genesis 1 tells us something completely different and proposes something so radically distinct. That we are the product of a relaxed, blessed creator. Genesis says, God created, created, created. And then as God blesses us, he says, you are created then to create. You are creating something of the world. And we, I think, can get very disconnected from that. Because of the ease of modern society and the blessings that we have. For example, let's look at this map right here. How many of you uh, could name five of those rivers? A few? How many could name 10? A few, a few hands maybe, but most of us probably couldn't name more than the Mississippi, right? I mean, you kind of know that one, and that one's a little bit easier, but these are some of the major rivers that are in the United States, and 150 years ago, our ancestors would have aced this quiz. At least they would have known the rivers and some of the things that were very close to them. 
But what's the quiz that we could ace? We would ace this one probably. We don't even need uh, the numbers on, on this next one. Go ahead, Simon, to the next. We got this, right? <laughs> I mean, you don't even need to see the numbers. And if you have a regular commute, you know exactly. And you know, like, hey, sometimes I need to take this to avoid this. If you do driving across Los Angeles, this is the, the thing that you would have memorized. This is a map that we could ace. And think about the implications of this. Although it doesn't feel like it at 5 p.m. on a Friday, but you actually are moving much faster than most humans in human history when you drive five miles an hour, even if it's at five miles an hour and you are really angry about your commute. Even if you're traveling at five or ten, or especially if you get up to the warp speed of 15 or 20, you're traveling faster than a human being really has ever had. And that creates a certain kind of world. Not only is it disconnected from the natural world of rivers and lakes and getting outside sometimes and experiencing God in creation, it also just creates a different kind of world. And we could argue whether or not this makes the world better or if it makes it worse, but you have to realize at least that it makes it dramatically different. That we have these structures and these systems which help us to move faster and faster and faster. A world that is different than the Genesis story tells us that this blessed, relaxed creator created the world. On average, the Wall Street Journal says an American spends 81 minutes a day in the car. This has a dramatic impact on us. I think it can make us start to think that the world is just what happens to us. That as you're looking at your phone for your daily commute or you're trying to figure out if you should go home or not, you're looking, you know, should I take this certain way or not? Is there an issue? Is there traffic? What is happening? Is there an accident on my way? And so you'll think of all these different things and you can just think that life is this series of events that just happens to you. Instead of that, you have an opportunity to create. Every single day, you have the opportunity to create. You have an opportunity to give a gift from God to the world. And the thing is, you have to learn not to do this. I wanted to kind of come up with a place that I could think of where I could think about this in a concrete way. And so I decided to write some of this series and do some reading at the LA Zoo because I have a zoo pass. And I was thinking about how I could see the differences between adults and, and younger kids. And as I'm there looking at the lion cage or looking at different places, which is a little creepy, I know, but I was watching, um, doing some people watching there. And the kids sometimes, they would just, they would run up. They knew the zoo by heart, and they were running around going to the lion cage, and then whenever they would get there, they would emphatically point and say, look, like, mom, dad, it's, it's the lion, or it's the giraffe, or whatever it is. They're running through the reptile exhibit, pointing at all the snakes. And they are just enjoying this moment, even though, again, it looks like they have the place memorized, and they maybe have been there countless times. But they're excited about this moment. They want to show their parents. Maybe they hadn't ever been to the zoo before, and they're super excited. But as I'm watching this happen, as the kids are running around excited, I would say by my math, at least half of the parents while this was going on were just like this. And they would lift their eyes up every once in a while and kind of go, oh, yeah, thanks, thanks, Steve, I see it, all right? 
And of course, some of those people, maybe they were doing work and they had to do this kind of productivity. They had these things that were going on they just had to have their attention for. But I bet most of them were just finding something to fill this space. I'm going to talk more about this later in this series, but so often I think we're just looking at stuff that really doesn't matter all that much and missing out on what's vitally important. The joy that's more available to us than maybe we could have ever realized. I mean, you hang out with my son, who's three and a half years old, for a day, and our bed one minute is a boat, then it's a castle, and then we're playing the kickity kickboard game, which is him kicking his kickboard into the fan, and then it goes all over the place. It was my idea. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I think I'm done. I think I, 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 can't, I can't recover from that. But the thing I want you to realize is that you have to learn not to be creative. You have to have some risks, perhaps, that you've taken, and some people thought, oh, you're crazy, that idea will never work, or that's dumb, and you slowly can learn not to be creative. I think one of the most dangerous words in the English language is just, because when we have conversations like this, you have these categories for who is creative and who's not, and you might think, well, I'm just an accountant, or I'm just an office worker, or whatever it is that you can easily just put just in front of. I'm, I'm, I'm not all that special. I'm just this. But have you ever seen an accountant work with a spreadsheet? It may not be a Vincent van Gogh painting, but if someone is very good at it and using their gifts to do this, it, it's beautiful. And for those of us and those who are maybe in the creative field, you know that math is terrifying and you would never want to spend your days looking at a spreadsheet, but someone who is very good and gifted in that area can create an entire structure for an organization that helps them to think through how they best use their resources. And someone who is able to add that order and structure to a business or a community, it's just invaluable to the community. So it might not look like a piece of artwork, but it's beautiful to see someone use the things that they have been gifted with to create something of the world is a thing of beauty. And you may or may not realize it, but you are participating in this. I love this quote by Mark Batterson. He says this, Creativity isn't optional, not if we're serious about conforming to the image of Christ. Creativity is the natural, supernatural byproduct of a spirit-filled life. To be filled by God's spirit is to recognize we have the opportunity to create something with the world. And all the work that we do is creative. Because even if you choose to just lie there and do nothing, that's creating a certain kind of world. All work is creative because you are creating something of the world. Think about this week. You have seven days with 24 glorious hours packed into each day. And you can choose how you are going to spend that time. And tonight you could go out to a new restaurant that you've never experienced before. You could participate in any kind of thing. You could use your time tonight to come and help us with a sensia to serve at the shelter there. And you can choose how you use that time. You have seven days of 24 glorious hours. 
and you get to decide what to do with it. You could quit your job tomorrow and not go back. I wouldn't advise that. That's probably not the best strategy. In fact, there's a book that I always recommend for people who are unhappy with their jobs called Quitter. And in that book, in the first chapter, it's by a guy named John Acuff. You should check it out if you haven't read it before and you're a little bit dissatisfied with work. Uh, In the book, he says, you're probably going to be disappointed in me because the first piece of advice in a book called Quitter, I'm going to tell you, don't quit your job. Because he says, no matter how frustrating your experience is or how mean your boss is, there is a a meaner, less forgiving boss, and that's called rent. (laughs) So he says from the very beginning, sorry about this, but I'm going to have to lay this on you. If you want your money back, just go ahead and send it back. So I'm not advising you to quit your job, but you could. You have 168 hours every single week to paint a canvas with your life. You have a chance to create. You're called to create. You're blessed by a creator who gives you breath in your lungs every single moment. And I get it. You have a demanding schedule. You have a lot going on. You're a very busy person. People work 50, 60 hours of time. And I get it. And oftentimes what we do after all of that work and demanding schedules, we come home and all we want to do is peace out of reality a little bit. And that's one of the worst things I think that technology does for us. It numbs us to what we truly are called to experience. Because as you come home and maybe you only have an hour of downtime at the end of your day, maybe it's 20 minutes, maybe it's 30 minutes. As you spend that time, though, how often do you just maybe turn your brain off and consume someone else's work instead of creating? How much of your time is spent scrolling when you could be daydreaming? When you could be thinking about the things that God is calling you to do? the person that God is calling you to be. Netflix did a study recently, and they came up with this, that subscribers who finish the first season of a show generally do so in a week. And those viewers are dedicating a significant amount of time to do it. They watch on average two hours a day. It don't tell me in a world where binge-watching is a term that you don't have time to be more creative and create. Think of how Netflix even promotes this. Because to end a show, you have to actually be fast with the remote, right? Basically, you have 10 seconds. It just starts that countdown. It's so easy. The shows are always just giving you that cliffhanger to just keep going, just one episode more. And by the end of the show, it just you have 10 seconds, and someone has to be on it to turn it off. As we begin this series, I just want you to think, and maybe it's Netflix... Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's sports. Think of there's just maybe an area in your life that you're spending too much time on, that you're consuming just a bit too much. And of course, we can't live a consumption-free life. There is times when we need to relax and enjoy the work of somebody else. But what's something that you spend too much time consuming? but you feel like you might need to change. Because consuming, even though it's nice and can sometimes be a good break from reality, I think it ultimately doesn't give us a chance to live up to our calling. And me, you know, I'm a big Dodger fan. 
and already they are struggling. It's come early for them. It's not even the playoffs, and they're already losing all the time. And it's fun to root for them. It's fun to cheer. It's exciting to be connected to that. But even if you're a player, it's so much more fulfilling if you lose, if you're actually participating than as a fan. What is something, perhaps, that you're consuming a bit too much of? And even if it's two hours a week that you say, okay, I'm going to not binge watch shows on Thursday nights, or I'm not going to look at social media on Wednesdays, whatever it is that you could just say, okay, I'm going to check out of that part of the world for at least a little bit of time. What would it look like? for you to recognize I've been consuming a little bit too much in this area. I think it's so important for us to ask that question because Genesis 1 tells us that you and I are called to create. That there's a creator that Genesis 1 tells us is creating and creating and creating. You have never been attempted. Your life has never been lived. Your song has never been sung. The gifts and talents and things that you have been blessed with, those things have never been attempted in the world. And I hate for you to spend so much time consuming, 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 that you don't get to create the thing that God is calling you to create. Genesis 1, as a reminder, tells us this. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. I read a blog by a a food blogger, and he wrote this. He said, Tonight I will cook dinner for my family. Over high heat, I will saute ovens and green peppers until they begin to caramelize and turn golden brown. I will add coriander and chili powder, mixing up a fragrant, spi- fragrant spicy paste. Then when the whole glorious mess is just short of smoking, pour chopped tomatoes into the pot. As steam rises from the rapidly cooling pan, I will deglaze it with a wooden spatula, then add red kidney beans, black beans, corn, and bulgur wheat cooked in tomato juice. When the whole mixture has returned to a boil, I will turn down the heat to a barely visible simmering flame. I will have spent less than 30 minutes, a good thing, on a busy weeknight in autumn. This is how a food writer describes making chili. And you... Maybe have a chili recipe that you love in your family that you're ha- was passed down. I mean, this isn't making stag, okay? There are times that, like, stag is to be made, and you're just hurrying around. But I think part of it is we don't even have our eyes open to see the things that we are doing. We don't pause and smell the green peppers as they're cooking. We don't think about the steps that we are going through because we're hurriedly trying to put it together, paying half attention and staying as connected to the world as we possibly can while we are experiencing this thing. So in some ways, I think it's just about us being more aware of the things that we are creating, the ways that we are blessing our family and the world. Because whether you like it or not, you are participating in the ongoing creation of the world. I hope that you'll realize that that's your responsibility and that you'll realize that you are called to create and not consume. 
So again, my challenge for you this week is to think of an area of your life that you're consuming maybe a little bit too much. Maybe it starts by just one day a week deciding, I'm not going to tune into this. I'm not going to be part of that for this one time. And in that moment, I'll just think, what is God calling me to do? And who's God calling me to be? Because we are called to create and not consume. Let's pray. God, as we begin this series, I I pray that we would all realize that you have gifted us in amazing ways. That it's not a question of whether or not we've been gifted by you. We have been gifted by you. And we are called to create with those gifts. Father, work in our hearts. Bless us as we strive to do your work in the world. Help our eyes to be open to those moments when we're making chili, when we're at the zoo with our kids, when we're having a sacred conversation. Help us to not let the the calls of technology and consumption be the things that we constantly live from. Because we are called as your children to create in the world. May we truly live up to that calling. In your son Jesus' name I pray, amen.